0: howdy y'all i'm justin
1: and i'm kim
0: welcome to cowboys like us the podcast where we talk about taylor swift and her music yeehaw hello Good evening.
1: Welcome back to the Cowboys Like Us
0: podcast. Probably shouldn't have said good evening, because it may not be evening when you're listening to this. Oh, Who? Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? But it doesn't matter. It's, it's
1: evening somewhere.
0: That's right. Somewhere in this world, it's evening. Why are you so selfish as to think I was talking to you and not the guy in Japan listening? <laughs> Cowboys Like Us, episode six. Which song are we talking about today? White <laughs> Where You With Me.
1: right where you left me from evermore deluxe edition
0: that's right one of the bonus tracks the second of two that we will have already talked about in the first six episodes yeah so
1: without having touched on a single standard album song
0: we haven't got to midnight's at all yet yeah we haven't well speak now and them aren't aren't here yet have we
1: done folklore yet Indian folklore? Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. We've
0: done rubber, red,
1: red, fearless, evermore bonus.
0: There you go. We're getting to it. We're getting to it one by one. So, I guess first things first, let's talk about some new.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Yeah.
0: News from around the Taylorverse.
1: So, at the Minneapolis concert, one of them, last weekend, Taylor sang Dear John which Mm -hmm. is wild. But um, leading up to it... Speak Now track. Yeah, Speak Now track. Um, Leading up to it, she gave a little speech telling Swifties to stand down and be kind on the internet (laughs) Um, and not to go after John Mayer. She didn't call him by name, but she definitely alluded to him being the one not to go after.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and you have to ask yourself, why did she not put out a statement prior to the release of Red? Or even a Fearless... With Jake Gyllenhaal and Joe Jonas and yeah, the others. Which do you do you think she was surprised at the blowback? Particularly Jake got Joe didn't really get much, but
1: yeah, I was gonna say I don't think Joe really got any blowback other than like everyone talking about Mister Perfectly Fine because everyone was freaking out about it once we actually got it. Right, but um, but he didn't get a lot of of hate about it, but I think it's because Swifties already know that Taylor and Joe are on good terms now. Mm. There's no animosity there. They're they're friends.
0: Can the same be said for Mr. Gyllenhaal?
1: I, I don't think so. So my personal opinion is that somehow, somewhere along the road, maybe recently, who knows, Taylor and John have had some sort of conversation where she feels better about the situation or he has agreed to you know as long as she asks people to back off he won't retaliate which he's known to do in the past like that sort of thing there's some sort of mutual agreement or like truce that they've come to mm. That has prompted her to make this statement and that level of peace I don't think she has with Jake. So um, she knows good and well what Swifties were going to do when she re-released these songs. They were going to hit again and she was going to release all these extra songs that also just sort of fired them up. And I think she could have gotten ahead of it by being like, don't freak out on people like you always do. But I think she kind of wanted them to freak out on Jake. I think she's still kind of holding that grudge.
0: <laughs> yes. Well, time does heal all wounds, as they say. And there has been more time for the John wound yep. to heal than the Jake wound.
1: A couple more years. Maybe Maybe a couple more years and the Jake wound will have healed.
0: Maybe so. Maybe.
1: Pod Gremlin, her opinion.
0: <laughs> is, Madeline.
1: Uh, yeah, Madeline's opinion which she said she really got from listening to TikToks, Um, Mm -hmm. but we were talking about this today, is that uh, she's trying to protect herself from... It's like a trauma response. She's trying to protect herself preemptively because he is known to kind of lash back about, you know, in the media and stuff.
0: So... Do you not think that... I don't want to say justified, but understandable to lash back when the Swifty mob is coming for you, Nick?
1: Oh, I think. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know why you wouldn't try to protect yourself, but... Mm. Except you're in the wrong, so...
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know.
1: But, yeah, so so Madeline's on the side of the theory or she's fault and, and thinks as, you know, like most of us who have plenty of trauma from our teen years, the late teen years, that Taylor could be trying to protect herself by, like, trying to keep Swifties from interacting with John so that it's not, like, inviting John back into her life to, like, comment on her or her music or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't really know why she would do that for him and not for Jake because I know Jake doesn't do a lot of media stuff, but, like, I don't know, it's kind of debatable. He might be as big of an asshole
0: as John is. It could just be a matter of plausible deniability, knowing full well that John has been known to fight back a little. And so she wants the high ground preemptively to say, I told him not to, you know. How's that on me? Yeah. Yeah. Plausible deniability, or it could even be question of reverse psychology. Tell people, oh, you know, I'm over it. Don't attack John, knowing full well that they're going to anyway. And the fact <laughs> that you even mentioned it is going to make them go harder which they have done have they not
1: (laughs) it's made for some very funny i don't even really know how to phrase it but like the workarounds that swifties have found to be like i'm not bullying you on the internet but i'm also bullying you on the internet it's been really hilarious people have been commenting a lot of crazy stuff on his instagram posts and things at one point after Midnight's came out, which this is not in relation to what she said or recently, but <laughs> I did see a clip earlier on TikTok that after Midnight's came out, or I guess the, at least the 3am version, but they all came out at the same time, John was playing a show and he was like too scared to go on stage because part of the crowd was like screaming the lyrics to what could at him. Oh, wow. But anyway, they've been wild on his Instagram, leaving comments and um, just, yeah, off the wall. They're really off the wall.
0: Well, that's unfortunate. We'll see what happens when the album comes out. I assume it'll ramp up to 15 out of 10, but we will see. Uh, In other news, speaking of Minnesota, Minnesota is home to a professional football team you may have heard of called the Minnesota Vikings, and... They play at the stadium where Taylor's shows have been at in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. And apparently some Swifties who have also attended Vikings games said that the Taylor concert was way louder than the Vikings games they've been to. And instead of just going, hmm, I doubt that, Vikings fans are very pressed about it on the internet.
1: Surprise, surprise.
0: Yep, they're mad because...
1: A bunch of grown men are have their panties the twist them.
0: Yeah, they feel yeah. that their fanhood has been called into question and they just can't abide that at all. So there's been a lot of backlash about, oh no, you know, y'all don't know what you're talking about. And Taylor Swift's bad at music, you know. Like, she's not like the Beatles, you know, back in my day. Shit used to be so good or whatever, but nowadays it sucks.
1: I cannot stand when your only defense to like Swifties saying anything in this case, they weren't saying anything bad. You just got offended by it. But if they say anything at all, they just mention Taylor Swift and they're like, "Well, Taylor Swift sucks anyway." Like that's not a good defense. Get a better defense.
0: Yeah, it's it's not good. I think it's a, I think it's a lot of misogyny, and I think it's a lot of generational sort of animosity because boomers just can't abide young people at all on any level, particularly teenage girls. You know, old old white men cannot stand teenage girls and the things they like. They yeah. think they are shallow and stupid and somehow lesser than by default because teenage girls like.
1: Them. I would like to point out though that the Beatles got the same reaction because of all the, the fanfare around them. And now that's like all old men like. Like my dad. <laughs> They're like, oh, we love the Beatles. But it's like back then, they were a boy band for a bunch of girl fans who would faint.
0: <laughs> yeah, at first, you know. But but then they got good, though, you know. Then they got good once they discovered acid or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's stupid. Let people like what they like and you like what you like. We don't have to fight about stupid shit like that. No. How many times do we got to tell y'all about
1: that? And why Why does it even matter who it was the loudest in the stadium? Yeah.
0: It's not like they measured it anyway. It's Nobody's just opinion. Nobody's
1: winning an award for loudest crowd in a stadium.
0: And it's all Minneapolis anyway. So it should just be like, look how good Minneapolis is. You know, we out here representing Minneapolis. Yeah. I don't know. It's stupid. It doesn't matter. They need their panties changed.
1: Exactly. Because they've
0: shit them. And, uh, yeah, it's gross. Let people like things. You don't have to like it. It's fine. what else? Oh, yeah. So on the Billboard Artist 100 chart, which was a chart that Billboard made back in 2014, to try to figure out which artist is having the best week overall by combining their album charts and their various singles charts as well. And Taylor... Was number one this week, and that puts her at seventy weeks at number one, not consecutively, but overall. And Drake is second with thirty seven, so she's almost doubling him.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say it's gonna be pretty hard for somebody to surpass her on number of weeks at number
0: one. Yeah, it's a it's not a it's not a chart that's been out long, only nine years, but yeah, she's already out to a big big lead and showing no signs of stopping. So. She might have that record for a long, long time. What else?
1: Taylor was invited to join the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. The Oscar people. Oh, heard (laughs) of it. Oscar people. They are actively trying to add more women and people of
0: color. Yes, I remember the Oscars so white. Yep. (laughs) debacle.
1: Wasn't that around the same time that everybody was, like, rooting for Leo DiCaprio to get an Oscar because he hadn't won one yet?
0: I mean, it's close, but I think maybe the Oscars So White was, like, a year or two before before that. The Leo push.
1: I just kind of have those tangled in my mind. Taylor submitted All Too Well the short film for Oscar consideration and her song Carolina from Where the Crawdads Sing was also considered. But neither got a nomination. That's very Mm. sad.
0: Yep. No nominations, certainly no wins, and yet the Academy wants her in as a voter. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah. I assume she'll accept. I've not heard confirmation of that as of this recording.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I mean, if it was me, I would.
0: Yeah, I mean, hell, why not?
1: That's a cool thing to put on your resume. (laughs) Yeah. Not that she needs a resume, but still.
0: (laughs) Right. Also, CNBC is uh, doing some pearl clutching because... Apparently, Swifty Bombs are taking their daughters to see Taylor Swift, and that just has upset CNBC, the esteemed CNBC people. They are concerned that Swifty parents are passing down their parasocial relationships with Taylor onto their children. For those who may not know, a parallel parasocial relationship defined as a one-sided relationship formed when one party extends energy, interest, and time, and the other person does not know they exist. <laughs> uh, so yeah, basically being a diehard fan of anyone yeah. or any team or any anything that you are not directly a part of would potentially qualify as a parasocial relationship. So yeah, we've kind of talked about that a little bit. We haven't called it by that name, I don't think, but with the whole... Taylor's a celebrity, she's not your friend, don't go Mm -hmm. after her. Her enemies, they're not your enemies because you're not her friend. You like her music, you know, she doesn't know you. So I think they do have a little bit of a point uh, insofar as the, like, super rabid Twitter Swifties who are just coming after everybody all the time. They're probably uh, not in a super good place.
1: Yeah, well, okay, so taking... Yeah, parasocial relationships are, are weird, and some people do take them too far, um, including a certain subsection of, tw- of Swifties. But I think taking a kid to the Taylor Swift concert isn't necessarily, like, forcing your parasocial relationship with her onto the kid. I disagree with that. Mostly because, and let's bring it back to the Beatles and dads the <laughs> old parts liking the Beatles like my dad some of these kids just grew up listening to Taylor Swift because their mom was really into Taylor Swift right or their dad or whoever their aunt their you know big sister they grew up listening to her music because someone around them was into into them so they also could be fans even if they're like four or five years old like We talked about the other day how at four years old, I was a huge Savage Garden fan. And my mom's like, I don't even know where you heard this music. Like, we don't even listen to this. But I I loved their song and I knew one of their songs by heart. But referencing the Beatles and dads and stuff. Like, I grew up listening to the Beatles secondhand with my dad. And had, like, Paul McCartney had a concert and my dad was like, hey, I'm going. I would have been like, hell yeah, I want to go.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah, it feels very sort of late 1950s early 1960s sort of pearl clutching like oh you know these kids with their rock and roll music they're going to destroy this country are similar to like the 90s with the all oh, these kids and their violent video games you know old people just hate fun yeah they hate it they can't stand it they see it they freak out it's very similar i think to the uh, to the Vikings fans it's the same same exact energy just trying to come at it from a more intellectual, Mm -hmm. pseudo-intellectual place, (laughs) you know. Oh, no, won't someone think of the children? Like, their mental health is bad because of Taylor Swift. Their mental health is bad because we live in late-stage capitalism, in a crumbling empire that half the population is determined to pretend everything is fine. And, yeah, it's not Taylor Swift's fault, that's all. Not Taylor
1: Swift's No, and I don't think you would find a single child, like, and we're going to consider children, like, under the age of 13. I mean, they're still minors at that point, but I'm just saying, like, if we're going to categorize an actual child in this scenario, I would say under the age of 13. You're not going to find a child under the age of 13 at a Taylor Swift concert who's there against their will. Right. Like, I dare you to survey them and, survey, to survey them and see which ones are there because they didn't want to be there, but their mom said they had to come. Like, I bet every single one of them wants to be there and knows all the lyrics, is screaming, you know, the songs.
0: Right. Yep. It's much ado about nothing. Using Taylor's name to get clicks, like always. Yeah. I thought you were better than that CNBC I did. I thought you were. Alas. <laughs> onto a new segment that I'd like to call... Chart Watch, where we check in and see how Taylor's stuff is doing on the charts right now. And on the Billboard Hot 100, the singles chart, Taylor currently has three songs charting. "Karma," the version featuring Ice Spice, is at number seven, down from its peak, which was number two. "Antihero" is at twelve; it peaked at number one, and "Cruel Summer" is currently at its peak at 18, and presumably will take another jump this coming week with the label finally officially pushing it as a single so we'll see how far it goes up the chart it's gonna have to compete with olivia rodrigo's new song vampire which is apparently really good and also instantly jumped to number one on the spotify charts spotify wants me to listen to that song real bad and i haven't yet so i don't know if it's good i haven't
1: listened to it either i feel like cruel summer is gonna have a hard time competing against her new song mostly because it's a brand new song from Olivia Rodrigo, and everybody's already said it's really good. Whereas Cruel Summer has been out for four years, as we talked about, and so everyone, you know, knows it. And it's an amazing song and deserves to be a single, but I don't think it's going to go quite that high.
0: You don't think it's going to get hit number one? I don't think so. Where do you I think f- it could
1: break top ten,
0: but I don't think it'll hit number one. I think it'll, I'm going to say top five, and you'll say top ten. Yeah, I'm
1: just playing it safe, but yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> we'll just guess. Yeah, we don't know. How about the albums chart? How's that looking?
1: Um, the Billboard 200 albums chart, uh, Midnight's is at number four with a peak at number one.
0: Well, they're they're all peaks. They're at number all one. number ones. Yes. yes. So we could probably not talk about that. Yeah.
1: So Midnight's is number four. Lover is at number ten. Folklore is at number fourteen. 1989 is at number eighteen. Reputation is at number 23. Uh Red Taylor's version is at 25. Fearless Taylor's version is at 38. Speak Now is at 39 and Evermore is at 40.
0: Yes. And like like we said, all of them peaked at number 1 when they came out and they are still on the chart in the top 40 right now. The only Taylor album in some version that's not charting is her debut album, it's I believe. Debut, yeah. Yep.
1: I think a majority of these are charting right now as high as they are, because of the Aeros tour. Everybody's is she, listening to the old stuff.
0: Is she playing any debut songs on the Aeros tour?
1: Not a on one.
0: Oh boy! She
1: has played a couple of air of debut songs for acoustic set surprise songs. Okay. But
0: not the regular. Set I think she's though. maybe
1: played half of the whole album, and. It is not in the regular set list at all. Wow. Yeah. Well, kind of disappointing. Yeah,
0: the, uh, the original fans, you know, the debut stands are out here just in shambles.
1: I mean, teardrops at least. Because she's only doing Enchanted from Speak Now. So at the very least, she could have just, just had our song or just teardrops and yeah. done just a one off debut section.
0: She could have, but her concerts right now for the Airs tour are long as hell. Everyone acknowledges. So she's been around a long time. She's got a lot of bangers. Only so many can make the list. C'est la vie.
1: It's three hours and 20 minutes.
0: Wow. Total. So that would be 200 minutes? I believe that is how math works. I've never been to a show where the headliner played more than 90. So that's... Impressive. She plays
1: forty-four songs total. Good lord. Yeah. It's crazy. She's on stage from eight PM to eleven twenty. Wow. And sometimes things go a little faster, sometimes things go a little slower. That's right. just the business. But yeah, that's absolutely insane. And she up until recently had been doing three show weekends. Right. Um, but now she's down to two. But once we get to LA, it'll go back up to three nights.
0: Speaking of her ridiculous touring uh, schedule, she added more international dates and is yeah. probably going to add even more. So those those gaps, those vacations she'd left for herself are quickly evaporating, yeah.
1: dwindling before her eyes.
0: <laughs> yep, so she's basically just going to be on tour for 2 years straight. Yep.
1: If you remember from Playing. a previous episode, I called this.
0: <laughs> Playing 200 minutes a night, which is yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I speculated that there would be multiple drops of dates for these international tours because... Or tour dates because she did that with the first set of dates. But what I did not expect and what she did was drop yet another round of dates for her Los Angeles shows. Mm. So now I think she like, literally has two weeks worth of Los Angeles shows.
0: Wow. Well... If you can sell out that many, why not? Give them money. Give the people what they want. Seems like a good plan. Yeah. Okay. At this point in the episode, we would normally be considering throwing to the clown corner. To talk about fan theories and Easter eggs and all that fun stuff. But this week, we are electing not to because we spend a long time on news. And we are going to try to spend a long time on this week's song, Right Where You Left Me. Because we think it's, spoiler alert, we think it's a good song. And we want to get into it a little bit deeper yeah. than, say, we did for 22, which doesn't have a lot of depth to get to. So
1: I will just tell you that, clamming around, people think that this song is also about Carly. So go back to It's Time to Go, and you can hear all about Carly
0: Claus. No, that's right. Go back to episode two, listen to the Clown Corner there, and then resume listening to this episode yeah. if you would like. Oh. Yeah. All right. So. Some song
1: facts.
0: Yes, sir. Track 16 on Evermore Deluxe, one of the two bonus tracks, and we talked about the other one back in episode two. Yeah.
1: Um, Written by Taylor and Aaron Desner. And Aaron also produces, one. Huh?
0: Makes sense. He was the Focamore boy. Yep. What Did is- you say Focamore? yeah.
1: Focalmore. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like Voldemort.
0: <laughs> yeah, kind of does. What has Taylor said about it?
1: Uh, right Where You Left Me is a song about a girl who stayed forever in the exact same spot where her heart was broken, completely frozen in time.
0: Okay. That's not a lot to go on because it yeah. just tells... Tells us what we can get get from the song itself. But thankfully, Aaron uh, has spoken about it in a little more depth. And he has said that Taylor wrote Right Where You Left Me and Happiness last out of the Evermore songs. Uh, he said, I walked into the studio and John Lowe was mixing and had been working the whole time toward this. And I came in and he's in the middle of mixing and I was like, there are two more songs. And he looked at me like, We're not going to make it because it does take a lot of time to work out how to finish them. But she sang those remotely. It was something I had written right before I went to visit Justin Vernon, a.k.a. Bon Iver. Because I thought, maybe we'll make something when we get together there. And Taylor had heard that and wrote this amazing song to it. That is a little bit how she works. She writes a lot of songs. And at the very end, she sometimes writes one or two more. And they often are important ones. So... Yeah, that's interesting, I think, that uh, this one and Happiness were the last two, because I think they are two of the best ones from the Evermore era. Yeah. And they almost, <laughs> almost weren't even uh, a thing. Yeah. There's a world where they don't get recorded. But
1: Happiness made it, and this one didn't, which is wild.
0: Yeah, which is interesting, because I think they both deserve it, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah. What uh? What do the fans think?
1: Our boy Rob Sheffield uh, <laughs> put it at number twelve on his list. Yeah, this is the highest song we've done so far, according to his rankings.
0: Yep, by almost thirty five spots.
1: Yeah, 12, twelve. feels good across all of her, all of her discography.
0: Wow! And as we know, Rob's list goes to two twenty nine. So yeah, twelve is very high. And he said, "of Of right where you left me," he said, "Okay." So we already know Taylor gets a kick out of leaving great songs off the album, but this is a ridiculous, maybe even criminal. So, yep, he's agrees no with us that it should have made the album, for whatever reason it did not.
1: Yeah, I do think I think it is criminal. Somebody lock her up.
0: And then on Reddit, on r slash Taylor Swift, they did the Evermore Survivor, and Right Where You Left Me finished fifth out of the 17 Evermore tracks, which... If anything it seems a little low to me, I think it could go a spot or two higher, probably, oh
1: yeah, I think so, definitely in the top five, but it yeah, it could go higher than the fifth spot,
0: yeah, we could quibble about exact placement, but I think yeah I think it's top shelf on evermore that's for sure well, let's get into the lyrics a little bit, all right, so uh the lyrics of this song are. A little bit deeper than some of the songs we've talked about. And so we want to get into them a little more. And a couple of things I really like is in the pre-chorus. I think it's very descriptive and uses very vivid imagery to paint a very clear picture. Go
1: ahead.
0: In your mind. I'm
1: laughing at myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she says, help, I'm still at the restaurant. Still sitting in a corner I haunt, cross-legged in the dim light. They say, what a sad sight. I swear you could hear a hairpin drop. Right when I felt the moment stop, glass shattered on the white cloth, everybody moved on. I stayed there, dust collected on my pinned-up hair. They expected me to find somewhere, some perspective, but I sat and stared. That's a very vivid uh, descriptive thing. You can see it. You can hear it. Glass breaking.
1: Put you in the story.
0: Yeah. Which, I know why you're laughing now, (laughs) because I got there. (laughs)
1: Yeah, and you started talking about how it was vivid and, like, vivid imagery, and I just read, like, the first line, and I was like...
0: (laughs) Yeah, so she is, of course, not literally trapped there at the restaurant.
1: Someone tell my brain that. (laughs)
0: But Kimberly Kimberly brought up an interesting uh, point when we were talking earlier this week that I had never really thought about much, which is that... Some people listen to music different ways. They hear it different the first time.
1: I do believe there are other people in this world who listen to music the way that I do. Which is, I listen to it very literally the first time. And then I search the lyrics for the metaphors and read through the cracks. And get all the little bits out of it. But um, this song makes me laugh every time I hear it. I have to listen to it a couple of times when I listen to it through I listen to it like once and laugh and then I listen to it again seriously <laughs> because every time she says the phrase help I'm still at the restaurant it cracks me up it, it, it makes me laugh so hard because I just imagine like this old diner and all of the workers like shut down for the night and leave and lock up and she's still in the restaurant because she's stuck <laughs> and they just leave her behind and she's like someone help me
0: Right. Uh Yeah. So that's not a scenario I had ever even imagined, literally, because, because I guess my brain just automatically, subconsciously, and very quickly, without me yeah. noticing, hears lyrics like that and says, "Ah, it's a metaphor. She's not literally trapped there yeah. at the at the restaurant." And Kimberly, to be clear, is not a moron. <laughs> debatable (laughs) (laughs) she's not a moron surely debatable. she understands that it's not literal but our brain just takes a second to uh to decode it yeah i will say
1: again there are tons i'm sure plenty of people out there with also with adhd and who know how it is listening to music because especially now i know that i like this song so much that i'll put it on and my brain goes somewhere else because it this song playing is stimulating one of my, like, triggers, and I need to be stimulated, like, two ways at one time at least. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I'm listening to this song, but my brain goes somewhere else. It's doing something else, thinking about something else, whatever. And then I just hear, help, I'm still at the restaurant. And then my brain gets pulled back, and I'm just like... <laughs> it's such a funny line to me.
0: It is funny when you imagine it literally and yeah. i'm kind of glad that i know this is a thing now because i can do it and just oh, see what it, yeah and see yeah. what it looks like yeah. and uh it makes for a lot of funny images in a lot of songs yeah it does. it does so it can make the, the world a little bit uh a little bit funnier so that's good
1: i'm so glad that my dumbassery can bring a little light to the world
0: yep that your mental disorder can <laughs> make people <laughs> Make people a little hey, bit
1: happier. Hey, as long as this
0: is making somebody happy. And that's it. Um, yeah, I like the uh, sitting in a corner I haunt, you know. Yeah. I like ghosts and stuff. I'm a spooky. <laughs> I'm a spooky boy. I'm a spooky boy. I I'm like a Halloween.
1: spooky boy.
0: So, yeah, anytime I get a little bit of that imagery, I'm about that.
1: He uh, likes the spooks.
0: I do. And I just think the dust collection on my pinned up hair is such a, who thinks of that? You know what I mean? That's a really cool line. No. Something about it just really just right where I want it. I'm well, like, yes.
1: Okay, also again, talking about Carly, a hairpin is mentioned in this song, which is gay imagery. <laughs> if she intended it to be.
0: Hair, hairpin is, is yes. gay? Hold
1: on, let me look, let me look up. How, how is hairpin gay?
0: <laughs> <laughs> how is hairpin gay?
1: Hairpin drop, that whole line. A hairpin drop. Hairpin drop is a slang term for letting people know you are gay through a subtle hint.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. It's from stonewallhistory.omeca.net. Okay. Stonewall Stonewall Riot Rebellion Activism and Identity, Hairpin Drop heard around the world is what it's called. But um yeah, interesting. So, a lot of people again, that's why they tie it back to Carly and why they think the song is about her and their
0: Break up. Anyway. Well, I mean, now that I didn't know that, now that I do.
1: So glad I could educate you. It,
0: <laughs> yes.
1: I will say shout out to Madeline because I also didn't know it was a term. Like I didn't learn this today, but I also didn't know this was a this was a term. And then. In our discussions about Madeline's beliefs, of <laughs> Kaler theory, right. and my own beliefs of it, and whatever we discussed this, and then she mentioned it the other day, um, and she was like, "When y'all talk about right where you left me, you're going to talk about the hairpin drop," and I was like, yeah, "I will." <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that, but now that I do, I it is compelling. Yeah, it is compelling. Yeah. So.
1: Again, though, it you could make the argument: is she queer baiting, or is she actually queer?
0: Or does she even, notice oh, does she that even that know that doesn't yeah. means that? Because I didn't know it until just now. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Speaking of heter- heteronormativity, uh, there has been some discussion this week with the fans, the listeners of our podcast, about the gender of the Easter Bunny.
1: <laughs> okay, Our. Instagram poll, the results were the Easter Bunny is Taylor Swift, by the way.
0: <laughs> did we put we put up a poll on there?
1: Yeah, I showed you it. Was, oh, okay. It was, is the Easter Bunny non-binary or is ta- the Easter Bunny Taylor Swift? Oh, those, those were, were the, the two choices. choices. <laughs> yeah. And you were like, ah, oh, yes, the two genders, non-binary and Taylor Swift.
0: <laughs> That's right, I did say that. Ah, classic Justin man. <laughs> yeah, I am of the opinion, even more so now than I was last week, that the Easter Bunny is... Is a man. Let me tell you why, Okay. L- listeners. Let me tell you why. Not because a female bunny couldn't deliver eggs, she could, but because she wouldn't. Here's hear me out. Hear me out, okay? I'm gonna go on a go on a thing here. Oh my I'm gonna, god. Much like Taylor, I'm gonna take you on a journey. I'm gonna paint a picture for you with words. you go going down a quick side road. Just a quick, yeah. Just a quick aside. So, imagine, if you will, Santa Claus. And he's uh, yeah. at the North Pole, doing his thing, and uh, the Easter Bunny drops by to see him because they're magical beings. Uh, who can you talk to? Your friend, the other magical. Sure. Okay, Easter Bunny says, "You know, hey, what's up, Santa?" And Santa's like, "Well, you know, we got this new holiday. It's called Easter. I don't, I don't know what to do for it.
1: I got all these kinds of eggs I need delivered." <laughs>
0: He says, I don't know what to do for it. You know, I'm already so busy getting these toys built for next Christmas. You know, I know it's early, but can't be too prepared. Yeah. And the Easter Bunny's like, don't worry about it, bro. You just leave it with me. He was not called the Easter Bunny at this point, by the way. He was just a bunny. But now he's the Easter Bunny because he's claimed Easter. Okay?
1: Okay. All right. I, no, wait. We got to come back because I need some logic explained in your scenario already. So you're saying that he's not the Easter Bunny yet. But he is a magical creature who is BFS with Santa.
0: And eternal, yes.
1: Why is he eternal and a magical being if he's not the Easter Bunny?
0: I don't know. What am I, God? Do it
1: sounds like it in this story.
0: <laughs> what am I, God? Do I create things? Okay. He was just a magic bunny hanging out. Doing magic bunny stuff.
1: That it doesn't make sense.
0: Doing magic bunny stuff. Anyway, he, he meets with Santa. Santa's like, bro, I got too much on my plate. Easter Bunny's like, I got it, don't worry about it He becomes the Easter Bunny okay. And he's gonna do the Easter stuff Yeah. Okay, but like a man Which he is yeah. He doesn't worry about it And he kind of forgets about it Until the night before Easter Yeah And then he's like, oh shit I fucked up It's the night before Easter I told Santa I was gonna do something For the holiday And then I had, you know, don't even worry about it, leave it with me I'd get it, but it's like 10 o'clock at night, the night before Easter, and I'm hammered drunk, and I don't know what to do, and, uh, and then he's like, oh, yeah, wait, no, bro, no, bro. Oh, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. Uh, what about eggs? What about eggs? I'll uh, go around the world, and I'll break into children's houses, uh, and I'll just leave them eggs, you know, that I hide everywhere, and that'll be great. And the Easter Bunny's wife is like, that's a terrible idea. I don't think you should do that. And he's like, "Are oh, y- you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be cool. You know, I'll hide them. I'll hide them.
1: So your theory is that Easter is a shit holiday because he's a man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't make sense that there's eggs and a bunny unless the Easter Bunny's hammered. And what does he have handy? He's got a dozen eggs in his fridge.
1: Okay.
0: And he's like, gotta do something. You know, gotta do something.
1: I like the happy medium that we came to when discussing this further earlier this week, which was you started talking about this book series that is like Hogwarts for Easter bunnies. Was that correct?
0: Almost. It's not a book series. It's a movie.
1: Oh, a movie.
0: I don't remember the title of it off the top of my head, but it was a, I believe, a German film. Uh, about a school for Easter bunnies where bunnies go and they learn how to be Easter rabbits. And there are a bunch of them. I guess they have their own districts or whatever. Their own assigned areas. Yeah. And all genders of a... a bunny can go there.
1: So I like that idea better. Is that there's a school where you learn how to become an Easter bunny?
0: Yep. There's not then, the Easter bunny. Yeah, and
1: then you get assigned to a certain area. So it's sort of a a luck of the draw of if you get you know a male Easter bunny, a female Easter bunny, a non-binary Easter bunny, <laughs> you know, across the spectrum of genders.
0: Yeah, that I mean that is a beautiful dream, but it is fiction. The real Easter bunny is a man. And, uh, I have clearly explained why in a very concise, very good telling of it. So, so we're good there.
1: This is, this is what I live with. This is my husband. I hope you all know that. This is what I put up with all the time.
0: Let's, (laughs) let's imagine it's us, okay? I'm the Easter Bunny. And you are my wife, Mrs. Easter Bunny. And, uh, we tell Santa we got it. We got Easter, bro.
1: Oh, do we? (laughs) Do we tell Santa? (laughs)
0: Well, I tell Santa we got it, and maybe I don't even tell you we got it. I was going to say, I think I found out that we got it the night before. <laughs> yeah, see, because you would have a plan that is better than I'm going to break into their house and put eggs everywhere.
1: Somehow I would still end up being the one to come up with, with the egg plan and executing it, I feel like.
0: Execute.
1: You would, you would come to me as your Easter Bunny wife the night before and be like, hey, I fucked up. <laughs> I need something to drop off to kids' houses and I just got a blither of eggs. What can I do with this? <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, well, let's make them look at least nice and then here's how you're going to arrange them and I will go with you and make sure it happens.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's probably is what ha- would happen and I'm passed out in the back seat of the, yeah. the egg sleigh. I do all the work the and you buggy. get all the credit. <laughs> uh, sleeping it off. So, <laughs> Yep. That's what happened. Um oh yeah. Lyrics. We were talking about about music. That's right.
1: What I I want to go back real quick just for a second and be like that's what it's what it's like to be a Virgo. I just want everyone to know that that's that's on being a Virgo and having an Aries as a husband. Mm-hmm. I always have a plan. He never has a plan. And I always fix his non-plans.
0: <laughs> well, we've talked about it, you know. Fuck it, we ball. Is my life motto, and I think that's basically what every Aries does. I think that's the description. Yeah. Concise. Yeah. Made very concise. Fuck it, we ball. That's what Aries do.
1: Yep. Fire science. I'm not even
0: a, I'm not even an astrology uh believer, but I do that. I do that. <laughs> I
1: do that. <laughs> and
0: Aries are supposed to do that and I do. So <laughs> there you go. Yep.
1: Okay, yes. Back to lyrics. Also <laughs> One more note. You can take this out if you want to. Nope, I'm not going. But I will tell you that Madeline said that last week when we started on our Easter Bunny Taylor Swift tangent, she did think that you were going to start telling your imagination, like your imagined story of the Easter Bunny
0: Mm.
1: on the podcast. And she was like, no, no, no. We're supposed to write a children's book. You can't put it out there. You got to keep it safe.
0: So... This isn't the one we put in the children's book.
1: No, it's not the one, but I'm just saying she was expecting you to tell the one, and she got worried that you were going to give away the, the
0: story. <laughs> I don't have one, but okay. Yeah, that's good.
1: What do you mean you don't have one?
0: An Easter Bunny story?
1: The ter- the terrifying Easter Bunny story that you wrote? Oh, that's that you right. you wanted to turn into a children's Why do I remember everything and you remember nothing?
0: <laughs> I didn't know that's what you meant. That's
1: what I mean, the terrifying one.
0: I thought you meant yes, I wrote a scary story about the Easter bunny. (laughs) But that's not what I thought you meant. I thought you meant I thought he was gonna tell his conception, his imagining of what the Easter Bunny is and does and No, she
1: thought you were gonna start The magic of Easter. Talking about Justin. (laughs) She thought you were gonna start talking about the Easter horror story. That you wrote that y'all had decided you should turn into a children's book. Right. She thought you were going to start telling that. And she was worried. And then you didn't. And she was happy.
0: <laughs> yep. I had forgotten about it until now. So there we go. <laughs> Much like the Easter Bunny. You know, very oh forgetful.
1: God.
0: All right. Back to lyrics. Another part I like is the second verse where she says, Did you ever hear about the girl who got frozen? Time went on for everybody else. She won't know it. She's still 23 inside her fantasy how it was supposed to be. Did you hear about the girl who lives in delusion? Breakups happen every day. You don't have to lose it. She's still 23 inside her fantasy and you're sitting in front of me. I really like the internal rhyme on uh 23 in fantasy. I love <laughs> I'm a huge nerd with an English degree who likes uh little 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 things like that. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I like. I also think it's fun, uh, how she plays with points of view a little bit. She, the song is written in first person, like many Taylor songs, uh, from presumably her own point of view, but not necessarily, but the, the speaker, the singer, the narrator from their point of view. But in verse two, she steps out, uh, into third a little bit and refers to the frozen girl as she and her and, uh. All of that. So that's fun. Steps outside to sort of ask the question, how does the world perceive me? Mm-hmm. You know? I know how I perceive myself. How does the world look at the speaker? So that's interesting. Yeah. Becomes a third-person omniscient narrator for just a second and then goes back into first-person, which is interesting.
1: She does that in a, a couple of songs. I had that conversation with Madeline, too, and we'll probably talk about it more when we get to question but um, we kind of had a debate over who are the questions for in question. Is she talking to herself or is she talking to someone else? And who is that someone else if it's someone else? So I feel like that's a common, common thing she does.
0: hmm Yep, she does. And then finally, the final version of the pre-chorus uh, and into the final chorus, she says, I'm sure that you got a wife out there. Kids and Christmas, but I'm unaware, because I'm right where I cause no harm. Mind my business. If our love died young, I can't bear witness. And it's been so long, but if you ever think you got it wrong, I'm right where you left me. I like the Kids and Christmas line. It reminds me of Midnight Rain. Holidays, mm-hmm. peppermint candy. Yeah. That's a theme, sort of, that she comes back to multiple times. Her former lovers moving on without her and having, you know, perfect little Christmas card lives. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. And we talked about that the other day. Taylor has themes and sort of palettes uh, of aesthetics that she likes to play with. And that's definitely one of them. So I always like to see that. And then my main thing, though, from this section is about the bear witness line. Can't bear witness. So to bear witness is a legal term. Right. uh, And it means that you make a formal, nothing but the truth will help you God statement Mm -hmm. in a court of law saying that you saw or you knew something and that it is true to the best of your knowledge. Taylor says, if our love died young, I can't bear witness. She can't bear witness. Why? Because she was so impacted, I would argue, by what happened that she almost... She is literally unaware, as she says, it's sort of caused a, caused a break. She can't really get there in her mind, she's sort of in denial, uh, with what's happened, which is interesting to think about. But of course, it's not meant literally, as she's not literally talking at the restaurant. Yeah. But that's what, what I take it as. And then it also means she can't bear witness because she does not know, does not see, uh, something. She's unaware, of what the ex is doing now she chooses not to go follow him on social media or her mm-hmm. on social media uh she's sure that he does have a wife and kids and christmas but she cannot bear to witness yeah that happiness without her right you know what i mean
1: I I think I like that play on words better. I think that makes more sense to
0: me. I think it's both. I think it's a double meaning. Okay. Which is what I was taking a long, circuitous way of saying. Yeah. I think it's a play on words. I think it's a double uh, double meaning. Gotcha. And I think it's cool. I like that yeah. line a lot. I, do,
1: I like that. If that is the case. Yeah. If that, that's what she meant, then I, th- I think that's cool.
0: Yeah. And it plays on the two levels, right? Yeah. The literal level, she is frozen, so she can't bear witness... In a court of law, can't go to the court, can't say anything, because she's frozen. And she also can't comprehend it, because that would require...
1: Acknowledgement, yeah.
0: And thinking, and yeah, but she's
1: frozen. But it's over, yeah.
0: Right? And so that's the literal meaning, potentially. And then the figurative, deeper meaning is that she knows that he moved on without her, and that's something she carries with her, but she just can't... Face it. Can't, Yeah, can't face it. Can't Mm -hmm. face it. Which is definitely something that I understand very well because Justin's time in high school was a interesting time Mm -hmm. and basically I had a falling out with most of my friends from back then I didn't like who I was I didn't like who they were and uh I have moved on or tried to with my life but my mom still lives back at home and she'll run into people that I went to school with at the grocery store or whatever and be like oh you know I saw so and so and they asked about you and they said they're doing this they're doing this and I have told her a thousand times, I don't want to know that you saw them. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to know they're happy. Like, yeah. I don't want to know. I don't want to know they're sad. I don't want to think about them.
1: I don't want to be involved at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, I want to put it all behind me yeah. and never think about it again. That's why I don't live there, among other things. But that's a big Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I definitely get that.
1: The chance is too great.
0: Yep, yeah, they're living their lives. They're happy. I know that on some level. And, you know, on some level, I'm even happy. But I don't want to see it. Yeah. You know?
1: I was going to say that I do get the sense from this song that, like, it's written in a way. And I know, a bu- like we talked about, a bunch of people think it's about Carly and about their potential relationship and or breakup. I think it could be about Carly on a friendship level. Or it could be, I mean, despite who she might have had in mind when she was writing it. To me, it could also apply to a friendship very easily because I have plenty of people in my life that when I listen to the song, I'm, I immediately think about them and I'm like, you know, help, I'm still in the restaurant or you left me, you know.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a part of just life, I think, you know, we tell ourselves and we tell our friends and our whomevers that uh, we'll be together forever, best friends forever. Or your high school girlfriend or boyfriend. Oh, you know, you and me, we're going to be together forever. We're going to make it. Love you forever, forever, babe. Yep, you're my forever person. And we have no conception of what forever looks like at that time. Yeah. But it's very sort of naive in that way. And I think when you realize around 23, which is the age in the song, that that doesn't happen often. It can really be hard to take, hard to live with.
1: I knew I was going to be with you forever at 23.
0: I knew it before you do it. Uh, I wasn't 23. You were 23. (laughs) Yeah, I was was 25 and she was 20 and I was getting in it.
1: Okay, I turned 21 right after we started dating.
0: (laughs) Two months after.
1: (laughs) In in seven years? 60 days. Might as well be right after.
0: Your boy was getting it. Okay. (laughs) Silver Fox out here. On the prowl. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> she was legal. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> it's not a grooming situation.
1: It's
0: not. Nope. No.
1: Okay. I definitely had all the power. <laughs>
0: I was at least as immature as you. That's what they say, right? That
1: yeah. Men's maturity is way lower and what girls are way higher. So you meet in the middle.
0: Yeah, so that's why. Yeah. It happens more that way than the other way, because...
1: Look, my parents are ten years apart, okay? Five yeah. years is nothing.
0: Yep. No, it's cool. It's cool. Um, Most
1: of the year, we're four years apart anyway.
0: <laughs> right. That's <laughs> very true. All right. So, I think that's about it for the lyrical analysis. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this song overall?
1: My my first thought is, Casey Musgraves, is that you?
0: Yeah, I think particularly when the first verse comes in... Yeah. And it's just sort of opening lines over the you know acoustic. Yeah, uh, it does feel very Casey Musgraves.
1: Yeah, literally the sign the or the line, uh, friends break up and friends get married. It's something about the way she sings it and the sound. It's just like sounds like a Casey Musgraves song.
0: Yeah, Casey has a song. I don't remember which song it is right now, but she ha- definitely has one where she talks about a similar sort of thing. And rhymes married with buried. Yeah. I want to say maybe it's merry-go-round. Is it in that one? I think so. There's
1: a lot of rhymes in merry-go-round.
0: Yeah. Did did she say there's a lot of rhymes in merry-go-round? Yeah,
1: there are. She plays on a lot of rhymes.
0: There are a lot of rhymes in every
1: song. Not in every song. (laughs) Not every song rhymes.
0: Most of them do.
1: (laughs) Listen, Jerry Buffett is a poet who puts his poems to music.
0: He is, yeah. Hoomst Among Us hasn't been wasting away again in my though. No. Hoomst Among Us. Um.
1: <laughs> I'm tired.
0: Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I do think it's merry-go-round, though. And it, it does remind me of Casey as well.
1: Yeah, the, and I think in my dream world, Casey gets a feature on this song, and it will be beautiful.
0: I remember that when the Scooter Scott drama The Big Machine sale happened, Casey was in hot water with the Swifties because she liked to tweet. By Scooter or Scott or somebody. Someone on team Scoots. Uh and people came for her neck real hard. And then oh. she deleted that, that tweet or that like or whatever, took it back. Yeah. So I don't know if the feature will happen, but it would be cool.
1: No, I don't think it'll ever happen, but it would be cool. Yeah, I don't know where she stands on that. Maybe she has shit opinions when it comes to that, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> She could be.
1: I don't know her personally to ask.
0: So. Not everybody's perfect. Some people just don't like other people.
1: Yeah. Well that's okay. Yep. They don't have to, like we discussed earlier. That's right. But there are plenty of songs on the Evermore standard track that I would boot for this song to have made the album. There are plenty of songs on the on the standard edition of Evermore that I would boot so that both It's Time to Go and the song can make the album because I think they both deserve it over some of the monstrosities <laughs> that made it. Namely, nobody no crime.
0: <laughs> yep, that'd be first off.
1: Get get the sisters Haim, get them on this song. Put them on this song.
0: It's Haim. It rhymes with Haim. Haim.
1: Anyway, put them on this song as a feature, and sure. then get rid of nobody, no, no crime.
0: Yeah, I mean they're used as like backing vocals anyway. anyway. Yeah. So you can put them on any song.
1: Yeah, she did them like she did Lana, and then she gave the more Lana version. So where's our more Haim version? Where's the more Haim
0: version? Hi, sorry. Yep. Where's the
1: more Haim version?
0: <laughs> Where indeed, I. I'm glad we don't have it, though, because then I'd have to listen to it at least once, and I don't want to. Yeah. I don't care how much times it is, it's still a bad song.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's definitely in my top ten tracks, Taylor Swift tracks of all time.
0: You think so? Yeah,
1: I think it's in top ten. Damn.
0: That's wild. I love this song. <laughs> I haven't made out a top ten, but it... I haven't either. It might so, be. I would be interested to see where exactly it falls, but I
1: I would am confident enough to say it's in the top ten. Alright. And yeah, my last thought that I listed out in the document was just in all caps help. I'm still at the restaurant. Still
0: at <laughs> the rails do wrong. Still. What yeah. are your thoughts? First off, goddamn. God damn, goddamn. <laughs> God damn, goddamn. God damn, God damn. <sighs> my emotions, man. My emotions. She released really, really hits on some deep, deep stuff that we talked about. Very sort of relatable, very human feelings. Whomst among us has not been heartbroken by someone we cared about moving on without us, you know? Mm -hmm. Leaving us uh, trapped when we thought we was going to be with them forever. Most of us have have experienced that or will experience that at some point in their lives. So, yeah, it's tough to listen to on an emotional level because I'm just like, damn, motherfucker out here spitting, you know?
1: It really drudges up all that shit that you don't want to think about.
0: (laughs) It sure does. It sure does. Yeah, and secondly, it answers the age-old question that philosophers have been pondering since ancient Greece: mm-hmm. What if the song "The Man That Can't Be Moved" was not ass? What might that sound like? And Taylor solved that conundrum.
1: I'm just here to say, any of the fa- any fans out there of the Script band, I see you. You're valid.
0: <laughs> are the <You're> uh,
1: cherished?
0: <laughs> are the fans of the Script in the room with us right now? Yes. <laughs> They're imaginary. No one likes that bad. Nobody. I
1: don't mind the script.
0: <laughs> that's not a fan. You don't mind them. A- okay,
1: I used to be a, a pretty big fan.
0: Kimberly is a script truther.
1: I'm not as much of a fan now, but yeah. in their heyday, I was a big fan.
0: Well, I was not. So, yeah, that's how I feel. And also, uh, yeah, I agree with Kimberly. How are you not going to put this on the record? And also with our boy Rob. How are you not going to put it on the album? The silliness. Put it
1: on the album, coward.
0: That's clownery. Yeah. We didn't go to the clown corner, but we didn't need to because Taylor brought the clownery all by herself. Exactly. It
1: wasn't necessary.
0: Clownery.
1: (laughs) She literally, like, dropped us off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And as we know, it was one of the last songs written along with Happiness, but, you know, if you were thinking, well, maybe it was just too late in the process to add it to the standard album, but we can put it on the deluxe, Happiness made it in.
1: Yep. so that theory is proven wrong
0: yep so we can move past that they could have put it in they chose not to and it's crazy nobody no crime is the obvious pick to take out for me yeah. and put it in there in place of it and i think it would have made the album a lot stronger
1: if we want to drop a hot take i would take dorothea off and replace dorothea with one of these with this oh, one
0: shots. or it's time to go yeah hmm
1: but, like, this one first. This would be my first choice. You know, if I could only have one bonus track, make it on. Yeah, it's um, the
0: better of them.
1: I I, I would drop Nobody No Crime first. But if I couldn't for some reason, my second choice would be Dorothy.
0: Yeah. I would put It's Time to Go on over, Doroth, uh, over Nobody, No Crime. But I don't think I would necessarily put both of the bonus tracks on. I would take off Nobody, No Crime, and I would put this one on. And then I think maybe I'd be good. I don't know. We'll... We'll have to look at it in a little more depth at some point.
1: I think I would take Nobody No Crime and Dorothy off and put on Right Where You Left Me and It's Time to
0: Go. All right. It's an interesting dichotomy, I think, between the sort of bright, bouncy music and the sad lyrics, uh, which as a big Fall Out Boy fan is something I know very well and appreciate good times. Okay. What are you going to rate Right Where You Left Me as... You all know we rate each song between 1 and 10. 1 is bad, 10 is good, 5 is mid, and what did you give this week? I ranked it a 9.
1: It's absolutely stunning. 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 And injustice to the song that I did not make an album. Or make the album.
0: I have really looked at it a lot this week. I've listened to it several times, and the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. first. I was considering an 8, and then I was like, no, that's too low. And for a long time, and even right now as I look at it in the show doc, it says 9. And you're like, maybe it's a 10? And
1: I'm like, it's a 10. Wow! Yep,
0: I'm officially giving it the 10. The first 10 of the series.
1: Wow! I think it would have been a 10 if it made the
0: actual album. Yep. I was <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to it today, and uh, I was like... I think it's a 10. I it's think it's so a 10. Good. It's yeah. so
1: good. It's so good. I can definitely agree with the 10, but I'm just a little butthurt because it didn't make the standard
0: album. All right. If you want to tell us what you think it is, you can vote in our poll.
1: Yeah, on Spotify. On Spotify. Or on Instagram.
0: Speaking of polls, the I Forgot That You Existed poll has closed, and it got a 5. Yeah. Yep, officially. Just like it was last week. So the I forgot that you existed truthers didn't come and save it. So that's on y'all. There is still time for Babe. I don't know what it's sitting on, but you still got a little more time to vote on it. So if you're a big Babe fan, get in there and tin it. Get it in while you can. Anything else you'd like to add before we get out of here? Nope, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: Goodbye. Or <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Cowboys Like Us. Follow us on Twitter at CowboysLike underscore pod and Instagram at CowboysLikeUs underscore pod. New episodes every Monday on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Y'all come back now, you hear?